So as I was saying, we're here on uh, spending some time together, and there's uh, immediately there's two qualities to that. One is that everyone here is an individual with their own experience, your own perceptions, your own attitudes, your aspirations, problems, bodies, age, health, and so forth. And that's uh, and then we're here as a group. So this means there has to be a lot of uh, respect for each other to give each other the space to be how they are without inflicting one's opinions uh, wishes attitudes on other people so it's a sense of making a decision and a, uh, uh, an agreement it's a little bit more than just keeping precepts, it's also a matter of being very patient and giving each other space. There's not a lot of physical space in the room, but there's plenty of space in the mind if you learn how to open it. The mind can be much bigger than the world if you learn how to open it. <coughs> That means instead of when we experience the unsatisfactory, the dissonant, the things we don't agree with, the things we're not certain about, things that don't work, instead of getting tight and upset and blaming and agitated, we just start to relax and open up. And instead cultivate patience and goodwill. Let things flow and change. The idea that things or people should be a certain way is always a big problem. <coughs> but here we are agreeing to be a certain way, which is our behavior, the eight precepts, <coughs> and the protocols for this retreat, which I imagine you've had outlined. We might need to put some detail on. And these are the attitude, these are means whereby we can agree to operate as a group within a certain uh, boundaries and uh, respect that and then there's what well, we give each other space give our own mind space to experience uh, pleasant unpleasant feelings and perceptions and so this is the essence of Dhamma practice is to be able to experience the pleasant the unpleasant and the neutral without getting agitated about it without getting upset about it without getting excited about it without criticizing oneself or blaming others for it yeah. this may sound simple but it, it, it's going it's quite deep <laughs> to do that yeah. so yeah because we don't like the unpleasant we don't want it <coughs> And the unpleasant in the mind can be anything. It could be a sight, a sound, a memory, uh, a movement, a time, an attitude. You know, what we perceive other people as can be a feeling of something we don't feel comfortable with. So, really, you know, really being responsible for that, handling that. Not just for other people's welfare, but for our welfare. This really is the essence of, of Buddhist practice is dealing with dukkha unsatisfactoriness, incompleteness 
things not going my way <coughs> until you do that is eventually we don't have a particular way things have to be we become very open and we can manage a whole range of situations without getting upset or disoriented so we're, really we're going to talk trying to encourage that and I'm sure many of you have done lots of retreats before so these will be familiar themes and some of the uh, forms and exercises that I'll introduce may be different different ways, different angles on, on handling this but the first thing we, we're probably pretty familiar with is keeping the, the precepts uh, and uh, making a determination and so it's not just uh, one moment but really making determination and having a sense of um, how we hold a determination remain in it consider it feel the value of it and you know feel the effects of it so this is very much much more than just saying a few words or even acting a certain way you get the meaning of it and you remember the meaning of it uh, not just as something you don't do but something you are preserving and if we consider more widely we can see that the sense of moral concern, conscience or hiriotaba it's called conscience and concern is definitely available for humans humans are at their best when they experience this and we so often see when we look at the world this is by and large gets lost people get inflamed with greed hatred, delusion and then all hell breaks out you see in the wars the corruptions, the crimes the abuse, the violence the uh, exploitation of humans, animals, trees, plants, everything exploited, abused so we are trying to here to recollect this sacred quality of sensitivity, respect for other creatures, for ourselves and conscience and concern because the mind then is beautiful this is a beautiful mind and, and certainly when we cultivate we're going to meeting unsatisfactoriness, dukkha it's very important to be able to take refuge in something you feel good about yeah. often we find retreats quite challenging physically psychologically, emotionally not talking, not reading, not looking at the internet you know, not conversing and so forth physical discomfort sharing dormitories can all be things that we find ourselves challenged by uh, and, uh, but then what you can take refuges in remembering your sense of conscience and concern this is not just a matter of what you don't do it's a beautiful quality the mind just honours and respects that you abide in that you well at least I don't feel like I don't like this I don't like that I'm not going to but I'm not killing anyone <laughs> and I, you know, I don't want to harm any creature uh, that, that sense of tender heartedness and I want to be honest I don't want to deceive anyone uh, anyone could trust me I won't take anything that isn't given and reflect upon this 
So this is much more than just um, taking a precept, it's also holding the value of it as a constant um, um, beautiful quality. Yeah. And um, some, that's why the precepts are like, considered to be like flowers. So someone who keeps precepts is someone who's wearing the garland, the flower garland, of something beautiful. Yeah, beautiful mind. And so to really consider it, reflect upon it, notice that in yourself which wishes to and inclines to and determines that. Then you have something you can respect and treasure, even when the mind gets upset. You can go to that. Beautiful quality. So this is something that we all have in common, we all cultivate this, and more, you know, refrain from other things, so developing the spirit of conscience and concern, and also the spirit of simplification, enunciation, putting aside what isn't really necessary for this time. So, uh, entertainment, reading, Taking photographs, <laughs> cameras, <laughs> iPhones, and so forth, things that we are okay in their time, but we're trying to simplify so we get a clearer focus. Uh, Mind is then focused internally, uh, externally, and both. Uh, it's not a dawning experience, experience as it happens without being adorned, decorated. Trimmed, pruned, you know, glamorized, just as it is, and it's really, um, you know, this simplest simplicity. So this is the spirit of this uh, retreat time. Be really good if you could actually not keep taking photographs while talking. Um, so. So this time now, we, people sometimes say, "Is this a vipassana retreat or an apanasati retreat?" Or it's a dhamma retreat. All this is cultivation, cultivation of uh, ethics, cultivation just taking it into the heart, cultivation of simplicity, renunciation, and then really training oneself. If you get the Mind. This is uh, beginning with what's called samasankapa, right intention, right aim, right motivation, right attitude, right approach. You keep the mind staying there, steadily there, that's your main focus. And then from there as the mind feels settled, comfortable, you develop from there. So your mind is always carrying the same quality, the same flavour of simplicity, honesty, straightforwardness, and it begins to simplify and it gains great strength through simplicity. When the mind is dissipated over many things, it loses its strength, it gets, it gets dissipated, the energy gets dissipated, and, you know, so fundamentally this quality of samadhi or unification or concentration is not just focusing in your meditation, it's a whole way of life where you constantly keep putting aside what distracts and what diversifies. Into, so your mind becomes more unified. Uh, 
And this is very deep because it, it's not just about sense objects, it also means we begin to let go of the future. Yeah. I mean, even the next half an hour, the next day, even the next minute. Yeah. Because this, this dissipates the mind. If the mind is thinking, concerning itself with tomorrow, or the evening, or even the, the end of the sitting, it's already dissipating its energy, it's already diversifying into a realm that doesn't exist. <laughs> right? And this is so common. We're, we're, we're used to living in this way. And we're, many times we're really forced and encouraged to live in that way, to plan and to work things out in the future and to always be thinking about the next thing. We're encouraged and even forced to live in that way. So your mind is actually, its natural strength is, is weakened because it's spread over, its attention is spread into a realm that doesn't actually exist. <laughs> Does it? And yet most of your time could be dealing with that putting energy into something that doesn't exist. Yeah. So this quality of, you know, renunciation goes a little bit more than just letting go of some perfume and television, you know, really pruning to what is directly happening now. There's no way of liberation without that. You can't, so you want to call this renunciation, concentration, you know, these words can seem very overwhelming. Oh no, too much. Just me, you know, but it's a whole cultivation of putting aside the possible, the alternatives, the should be's, the what would be. When you let go of the future, you can also begin to clear the past, which again is something we carry. What we were, the regrets, our nostalgia, wanting to go back. There's no such thing as going back. Nobody goes back. There's only forward. Our mind want to go back. Compare what it is now to what it was. How we were. And so how we think we were and how we think we could be in the future, we get this idea of progress. I think now what I was and I think what I could be in the future and I progress. This is a complete fantasy. Yeah. In terms of practice, there's no progress. There's purification. So this driving onwards is something to really, you know, contemplate and feel what it feels like to be constantly driving onwards to something that isn't here. With the idea that then it'll be okay. Then in the future then it will be fine, then we'll get there, then the dawn will arise, then everything will be settled. We're carrying, the mind which is in that state is carrying a particular quality, bhava tanha, craving to become. And if, it, if it's infected with that now, you can be sure that tomorrow you'll have the same disease 
and tomorrow you'll be thinking about the next day and the end of the week you'll be thinking about the end of the year and the end of that year you'll be thinking about the end of five years and what you, you know, because it's carrying the same infection, the same virus it's called bhava, becoming craving for existence, for a future now you may very well think, well it's impossible, everybody has a future you know, I definitely have a place, a home I could look after, a dog and an uncle and a family and da 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 where are they? I can't see them <laughs> they live in your mind, do they? you have a house and a dog living in your mind <laughs> and a family and a, <laughs> a job living in your mind it must be pretty busy in there <laughs> how did they get in there? how did you get so much of the world got inside you? how did it happen? it's the imagination isn't it? Yeah. and we live with that yeah. And does it ever work out? Does it work? Do you find having held all that, having carried all that, having worked all that, having considered all that, having thought about it, mused about it, worried about it, concerned yourself with it, that finally you get it so everything is completely perfect and happy and finished? Hands up. (laughs) How long have you been doing that for? Well, lifetimes, <laughs> I tell you. We've all been doing this for lifetimes. It's a powerful infection. Yeah. And so, along that wheel of becoming, we run and hurry, weeping, struggling as we do so, for the end and there isn't an end to that on that until you you come out of that trance yeah. and of course this is kind of difficult because the unknown frightens us the insecurity no, no future to know so the average person finds it very difficult to even when they want to to stop this even when they go on holiday take a break, still it's happening yeah. sit and meditate, still it's happening take a break for half an hour, still it's happening if I develop this maybe I'll become a Sotapana in the future life of this and that. You know, still the same thing because it, it's an infection it's not a conscious decision, it's an infection and it's for the clearing of this that uh, these teachings, this meditation, this training, renunciation, letting go, it's all those terms are helping them are there to help clear the medicine to clear this infection. In our lives can be something whereby there is brightness and spontaneity and intelligence and sensitivity rather than the program. We've got to be. Uh, uh, why it's so difficult? Because in the, we don't know, and that gives rise to a sense of wavering and uncertainty. So we need a lot of support in that. 
And so meditation systems are often, and precepts and protocols and things like that, are often ways of just giving you something to feel steady with in the present, to make the mind steady and comfortable in the present, so it gives some support to settle. And then you can find, yeah, if you stay with that, you can come out of that wheel of becoming. Because the mind is infected with it. Ordinary mind is infected with it. But we also have a quality called awareness, which is not infected by it. It's always exactly the same. It doesn't progress, it doesn't decline. And so with that meditation, essentially it's to develop this quality through mindfulness, through clear awareness, full knowing, through unification, through renunciation, through many cultivations that help us to keep returning to something that's always here, that we barely see, barely notice, not for much of the time. It's like water, so clear you don't see it. You see the things in the water, you see the fish and the weeds and the rubbish, the reflections and the movement of the wind across the water, we don't see the water. We need that training to be able to discern this and drink it and feel satisfied with it. And then this is really an enormous uh, um, refuge and comfort to give us this uh, sense of strength and confidence in the here and now in the present and realize, you know, if you get the present right, the present becomes rich and full, then whatever happens, you're going to be prepared for it. It's better, you know, if you get the present, the mind clear, confident, bright, alert, attentive in the present, less haunted, less driven, less infected in the present, you take that with you, you're going to do the best you can as life continues to change. You're going to have the resources to deal with it. Give yourself confidence in that. And also bear in mind, you know, if you can't live with awareness, if you can't integrate it into your life, you maybe should start thinking about how to change your life. What are we here for? What are we born for? What's what's the point of being a human being? Job? No. Pure cultivation of what's deeply, truly human. This is the gift, possibility. The rest of it is just supports for that. This is a retreat to spend some time even thinking clearly, carefully, what's important, what's worth bearing in mind, what do you treasure, what is your treasure, where is that? And so it's a little bit more than just, you know, doing a particular meditation system, though these are definitely helpful for exercising, uh, developing attentiveness, uh, developing goodwill, yeah. Mm-hmm.
definitely these things are helpful, but meditation is just the support for Dhamma. Dhamma is the main thing. So in the mornings we will start, in the mornings and evenings we practice, we bring up the reflections, the memory of the Buddha, our perceptions, our impressions, and what is awakening, what is truth. We take Buddha to be the image, the emblem, the signifier of awakened mind, awakened mind. Buddha means true knowing, complete knowing, awakened. Here we use this these images which have been, they weren't there originally, but they've been established for a thousand years or so, a couple of thousand years, so we use these images uh, uh, something to focus on. Sense of essentially it's a human being, simple, straight, upright, human being. <coughs> Clear, awake, eyes are open, steady. Amazing. And we reflect, and we, this quality, the point is not that the Buddha is different from us, but the Buddha is a human being, like, arises, the Buddha arises within a human form. And you may think it's only a male, but in terms of practice, doesn't matter, males, females, that's just details, it's essentially a human. So awakening arises within a human form. You know, someone's born as a mother and a father, as a family, as a future, as a father telling him he's got to get his act together, go out and get a living, become a prince, get to work. <laughs> Just like the rest of us. <laughs> you know, don't just hang around sitting under trees. Get on with it until you know, he sees the signs aging, sickness, death. <laughs> he says, Hey, Dad, what about these? Oh, don't think about that. <laughs> Did everybody get this? Oh, don't worry about that. How does a job get you out of aging, sickness, and death? Oh, don't think about that. Have a palace instead. <laughs> you know, so, asking the questions, the Buddha asks the questions. Yeah. How are you going to do about that? So we recollect this. We too are subject to aging, sickness, and death. So when we look at that, there's the renunciation. Immediately, what's the point of all this thing? Could happen any day. So, what's the point of being a human being? Catching the bus? Getting the job done? Aging sickness, death. Uh-huh. Wake up. So we reflect on that and we bow to someone being who has taken that message and turned it from something that seemed really quite frightening and miserable into a spur to wake up. Dhamma wakes up, the Buddha wakes up to Dhamma to Dhamma, truth, reality the way it is and this beautiful refrain Sadittiko akaliko ipasiko panayiko pachatam look at the words, consider the words direct, 
not delayed in time, inviting you to have a look, leading you inwards, pertinent, open eye, pertinent, realizable, accessible, directing you inwards, pachitam, to be known in yourself, to be you know, to be realized and fully experienced in yourself. Radiate up all we knew it to be seen, to be understood by the wise. So seeing this Dharma is wise. Let me just consider what's that direct what's direct experience. Not about movement in time. Not about future past, direct experience now. What's it telling you? What does it always tell you? What's the common theme of it? Probably to me what it tells me is there's awareness of this experience. There's awareness of sight, sounds, pain, pleasure, happiness, unhappiness, disappointment, enjoyment, friendship, hostility, all of it. That's it doesn't change. Doesn't matter where you are. Like that. Kaliko, hehe, pasikos. Notice that. That's pretty amazing. We're not just the moods and the feelings and the impressions and the ups and downs. There's something else. Mm. Worth looking at? Interesting, useful? Follow it. What's that? Opanayako leads you inwards. Pachadam. Know it in yourself. Be realized by the wise. It's a wise quality. It's not a forceful quality. It's a wise, attentive intelligence. This is a marvelous statement to me. If you say, what do Buddhists believe in? This is it. (laughs) It's not a belief, is it? It's a practice. You compare that. Do you believe in the end of the world, in God created world, not didn't create the world? Do you how many gods there are? They hairy, blessed, live on clouds, got elephant heads. <laughs> love you, don't love you, or whatever you've got to know. You don't believe in all these things. You directly experience it's an amazing statement. You know, to found uh, cultivation upon that, you know, upon that, really handing responsibility back to the individual, saying, "You know it. You can know this, and o- you can only know this for yourself. It doesn't matter how many times somebody else tells you it; they can only help you to remind yourself of something you already have." Isn't that an amazing statement? Both profound and also incredibly respectful. Right. You know, you know it. You can know it. And you've got to get it for yourself. Be responsible. Take responsibility for your experience. Don't lean on something. Sangha, those who cultivate, those who cultivate. This is the Arya Sangha. Doesn't matter, male, female, monk, nun, Arya Sangha, it's those who cultivate. These are the Buddha's disciples. And what 
you know, just to consider you know, this sense in which to me it's always been a source of joy that whatever I am, I can be disciple of the most amazing person. At least I can follow it. What an honour. You know, everybody can get on the on the caravan. <laughs> Supatipano. Practice well. Utupatipano. Practice directly. Directly what's happening. Nyaya Patipano. Practice wisely, contemplatively, sensing it, investigating, handling experience. Samichi Patipano. Practice in appropriate way, way that's measured, steady, comfortable, discerning, not frantic, not forceful, not opinionated, but is appropriate, steady properly, practice properly. You know, when you eat, wash up, practice properly. You know, sharing a dormitory, practice sharing a dormitory. Practice properly. How to share a space. How to share a meditation or practice properly. It's all practice. That sangha, there's nothing left out. You know, now, this is not a technique. This is 24 hours a day. Practice every time you awake. Practice properly for something you could be cultivated. This is the thoroughness of it. That's why it's much more than just half an hour, an hour of meditation. It means practice properly. Practice respect. Practice restraint. Practice virtues. Practice kindness. Practice conscience concern. Practice sati. It's a completeness to what we're doing. And we have found a chance, an opportunity, where we can cultivate that. We have a few days together. Time, you know, it's, it's, you can measure it in terms of time, but taking the opportunity just to deepen into this. And be spread your practice as a constant throughout the day, it doesn't have to be super intense I talk about extensive practice rather than intensive practice practice extens- extensively <laughs> yeah. cover it all there's a skill in getting up and there's a skill in lying down when I get up in the morning first thing I do point to a shrine pay my respects so it starts the day get out Buddha first thing before anything else Buddha get that there before the rest of it starts <laughs> you know starting like that last thing at night pay respects Buddha Dhamma Sangha uh, so if you're in a dormitory there isn't a shrine at least try to bear that in mind you could bow in this direction or you know bow to your pillow or something or just <laughs> Something you can say, well, you know, you're actually determining. First thing you get up, first thing we'll do something. It's not just about cleaning your teeth or having a wash or going to the toilet. The first thing is, set that up. Then that's going to, then you're constantly checking, I'm a disciple. Before anything else, I'm a disciple of the Buddha. Before anything else.
this lifetime, how long? Next lifetime, how long is it going to take? I don't know. But I'm putting, you know, my membership card. I'm getting, there it is. I'm getting, getting on board the bus. <laughs> as long until the end of the journey. Yeah. And over time, it's definitely has effects on who you think you are. Or what do you, where you, what, where you think you're going? Definitely has effects. These are things we can begin to build into our way of life and our practice. And uh, what we have this occasion here to make use of these and consider it, deepen into it, some of it, I'm sure, may disappear from your everyday experience, but I'm sure that the, the basis of it remains with you. Something, and once you've begun to wake up, you never really go to sleep again, you never really go back again. So, for many of you, this is a chance just to return and okay, another retreat, let's keep going again. Clear away, I know the kind of things to deal with, yeah, but also look at new things. How do I deal with doing a chore? How do I deal with sharing a room? How do I deal with eating a meal? How do I deal with offering food? How do I deal with being an interview? You know, with five other people I don't know. What happens then? Nervous, self-conscious? You know, what do you think of me? You know? If you're going to interrupt or come out with a whole speech, just see what's happening. Practice. So, this is the nature of this time we have. We are be encouraging it and using it. <clears throat> so, and uh, probably you know one of my main themes. Those who've been on my retreats before have told me what I teach. They don't really, you know. They sort of say, "Oh, what you teach is this." Oh, okay. Um, so I seem to teach mindfulness of body a lot. <laughs> I agree with that. And because uh, I don't know what anybody else teaches, you see, so I don't. So I just taught stuff. But I, I have uh, also teach um, qigong, uh, and that's something I recognise is different from what many people, other people teach. Uh, but I use that as a part of. Uh, an exercise for developing fuller quality of body awareness and the hinge point being that at a certain level of the mind the mind is profoundly affected by energies in the body and we'll talk about that in due course energies in the body naturally when you're trying to calm down what are you doing? you're trying to change the energies in your mind when you're trying to get calmer you're trying to change the energy in your mind, aren't you? When you're trying to wake up, be brighter, you're trying to change the energy in the mind. When you want to stay steady, you're trying to hold the energy in your mind in a steady state. Much of your practice is about cultivating or establishing or experiencing a nice, pleasant energy. And your mind can't do it without support. But your body is a very handy medium because your body knows how to do it. Your body knows how to calm down, even when your mind doesn't. Yeah. 
probably if you're honest about it you probably recognize that a lot of the time you're not really that aware of your body because you're thinking and looking at stuff and busy doing things so this I hope will be helpful for you <coughs> so um, recognizing that perhaps many of you have traveled today or just settling in as I am I've been here a few days but still I'm settling into the session um, so I think it's enough talking but I'd like to um, perhaps spend some time with you just beginning to guide you into some settling practices settling into your space since you've had to learn lots of things to do and don't and where to be and where you are so your mind is kitchen, meditation hall, dormitory, laboratories times, protocols lots of stuff to think about (laughs) so don't have to get it right on day one but there it is, You'll, you'll pick it up let's just put all that down the time being and uh, sit quietly uh, and welcome yourself however you are welcome yourself into the present Uh, you are with friends Uh, and begin to get a sense of establishing that attitude, welcome we're not trying to make anything particular happen in the future but trying to deepen into the quality of the present by experiencing the body in the present how do you know you have a body? that sense of warmth, pressure sensations, physical feeling there it is and as you're sitting there's a gift there which is the sense of why the Buddha so often pictures sitting in the sitting we have a very nice stable platform our legs, our backside is on the ground and that's a pretty steady anchor you can feel that area of your body triangle or if you're sitting on a chair trying to sit so that your really legs are slightly spread so you get that sense of a triangle nice firm basis and setting onto that feel the sensations there if you're sitting on a chair it also helps to feel the soles of your feet and you're sitting there and for a few moments just focus primarily on that and as you're relaxing your thoughts, your mental attitudes try to amplify or give more attention to the physical sensation in the base of the body it's agreeable or slightly disagreeable or whatever it is but the fact that it's there and it represents a quality of ground groundedness it's not running around (coughs) 
Now when you can you feel yourself breathing out? And can you get that breathing out to go all the way down into your belly? In down even down so you feel your belly flexing? Can you get that abdominal breathing on the out breath? As if you're almost emptying through your abdomen down descending into the base of your body breathing out as you're breathing in and the in-breath comes in by itself be aware of this sense of the column of the body rising up from the ground something like the trunk of a tree a very simple form the upright direction so building up that sense of this column of the body rising from the ground maybe only get the lower section, the abdomen start low and begin to spread your awareness to the diaphragm and then can you find your aware of your back and your between your shoulder blades breathing out breathing out descending Breathing in with the in breath comes in. If you can draw your attention up your back, draw the lower lumbar region in and coming up your back. See how high it goes. Sometimes you can't get all the way up to your head, but you get up. Say to the middle of your body, the torso, swelling and then breathing out. Establishing simple, steady basis. Okay, so with this, you don't have to have your eyes closed. You can do whatever you like with your hands. I have made instructions on that. So be aware of tendency when you close your eyes, you can go into thinking or you're going to sleeping. Because that's normal normally you do when you close your eyes. You close your eyes, you go to sleep. Why else would you close your eyes? <laughs> so it's a signal. Close your eyes, go to sleep. Just keep your eyes open. Wake up. You can use your eyes, your visual focus as a support. <clears throat> now the way we do this is when your eyes are open you can see all kinds of things. See me, persons back in front of you, the shrine, the wall and so forth. 
instead try to um, use your eyes to establish the limits of your visual field so I'm sitting here and see the clock and the sign and the people now it could also be just the edge of my vision I can just about see some green hills sides of the hall and then beyond I could just detect a sense of space outside with some sort of greenery in it and I keep pinning my attention to that frame till what's in the middle, in the centre becomes less impactful it's very wide focus it's very still you can only hold that with a still eyes if your eyes are still your mind becomes calm a lot of connection between the eyes and thinking restless eyes, restless mind So. Keep your eyes open, widen the visual focus to get to the edges and be aware of the whole field of vision as one thing. It's got a certain wakefulness to it. So with this we're not focusing on any particular object but the field of vision. But when you're focused like that you can also sense there is a body here. It's a wide focus. You feel the rhythmic process, sensations, rhythmic process growing mental determination just stay with this it's got a steadying effect it's wakeful it's steady it's stable that's a frame within that frame you can feel physical sensations breathing in breathing out probably thoughts, inclinations, drives, 
mental fluctuations let's hold the frame let all this stuff roll through maintain the stability in the frame
you can move. You're aware of bodily feeling and sensation and so on. And getting more steady and comfortable. Not to be rigid or tight about it, but to just use this frame. To a frame within which your body is a set of sensations and energies and feelings that arise. It's not what you see with your eyes. It's a bodily set of bodily experiences. Heat, pressure, movement, vitality, and lack of it, changes. Cultivate a quality of attention that is inclined towards making this comfortable, settled, whatever we don't need, we relax. Whatever muscle you don't need, it's in your eyebrow, your chin tongue, your fingers, you don't need it, switch it off. Mental attitudes, switch off what you don't need. All you have to do is sustain the frame of reference. Mind, you notice after a while, begin to see the mind wants to get into something. something to get its teeth into, something to get going on. Let's check that. So in a little while you'll hear the bell ring, you'll hear the sound. When you hear the sound, pause, notice the sound the sound strikes the ear consciousness, lights up. And then unhook the trigger between the ear and the mind. So just let the sound roll through you until it fades. Silence, and then, okay, it's now time to conclude this form, this little session together. Train yourself to unhook those reflexes of jumping. Hear the sound, 
and it passed through silence okay time to move and when you move first go into your body before you move in terms of going to the next thing in your mind just go into your body and feel the textures of your body and feel the muscles and wiggle you have to you know, come back into this and uh, look around where you are mm-hmm. it's time to leave the hall pay respects, bow three times and begin to navigate your way out of the hall recognising there's 70 people and there's one door (laughs) so uh, respect